Hello and welcome to episode number 81 of the Random Thoughts Podcast. That's R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. And on today's show, we have a bunch of things to talk about, trying to get a little bit more positive, a little bit more upbeat in this time of lockdown and corona. We are one day late with the podcast because I really, if you go back to watching Office Space, truly had a case of the Mondays yesterday and not really sure why, because Mondays are no different than any other day for most people now. And they really haven't been different for me for quite a while because, you know, podcaster working out of the house, all that kind of a thing. But yesterday just didn't, nothing hit me. Nothing hit me that I really wanted to talk about because it all seemed too negative. It all seemed like it's all been said before and a day off kind of helped out a little bit. And the first thing I want to talk about is a project that I was familiar with from way, way back that is called Folding at Home. And it's something if you've never heard of it, it's been around since 2000. And basically, it takes unused CPU cycles. So computers all over the world that want to take part in this, they take the unused CPU cycles from your computer and they put them to good use. And it's kind of fun. There are different teams out there. So if you have a bunch of buddies, you can get together, compete against your friends. And it's all for a very good cause. And I came across this in an article talking about just the amount of power that the folding at home distributed computing project has at this particular point. And it is quite amazing. It is the first system ever to go over an exaflop in overall computing power. That's a lot. I mean, I know a lot of people don't know all the computer terms. You might not be a dude named Ben. You may not be into all these things. But to put this in a way that anybody can at least try to wrap their brains around just how much computing power we are talking about, if you were to take the top 500 supercomputers in the world and combine their power, this would still be more. Now, this started in 2000 and it was all being done to study protein folding, which is how it got the name folding at home, but it's now shifted to more biomedical problems in the search for a cure for things like Alzheimer's, cancer, Ebola, HIV, Huntington's, and of course, more recently, COVID-19, something we are all very familiar with, the virus that is having a major effect on the planet. They are helping in the research, in the search for cures and the search for vaccines and all of that, because you need computing power for these simulations to be run. And it's not cheap, or nor even if not the fact that it's not cheap is one thing, but the fact that the computer power is simply not available. So this is an amazing thing that anybody that wants to take part in this can do so. You can go to their website, which is foldingathome.org, and download the software. It's available for Windows, Mac, Linux. So you can basically have your computer when you're idling start doing some work or all times you can have it do a a low amount of cpu 
even while you're working on your machine. It all depends what you're doing on the machine, how much power you need. Of course, I turned it off to record the podcast, but I let the machines go overnight to desktops, just kind of pumping out on this. And it's something you can do, at least feel like you're doing something at home in a positive manner to help bring an end to the insanity that's going on. And I looked and there was a no agenda social, which we've talked about no agenda social a few times as well. It's the Mastodon Twitter alternative that is federated. So it goes out to all the Mastodon sites, but this is the one run by the no agenda crew. And if you want an invite to that, look in the links for this show notes here or over at randomthoughts.com. There's a link to join NA Social. But if you want to get in on the fun of folding at home, the team number for No Agenda Social is 249537. Everybody can band together, see what's going on, see who else is taking part in this. Since its launch, In October of 2000, the PAND Lab, P-A-N-D-E, has produced 223 scientific research papers as a direct result of folding at home. So this is not just something that isn't getting results, it's getting good results. And the more important thing is, the results of these projects, simulations, most of the time, then agree very well with the physical experiments that are being done. So this is doing things in the virtual world, trying to figure out things like what should you be going after with this COVID? Should you be going after the virus and the what's on the inside of this? Should you be going after the way it attaches to the human cells and all this thing? So it's running all of these simulations all at one time. And I, really, if you've ever seen the movie, one of my favorite movies of all time, war games this kind of reminded me of the whopper the big supercomputer continually playing out world war three trying to figure out who was going to win where missiles launch here missiles launch here and the screens just keep going and it starts flickering and things start going crazy until it realizes that when it comes to global thermonuclear war the only winning move is not to play but when it comes to research and data to try to stop this current deadly pandemic and to find a cure for things that have been around for a long time, like Alzheimer's and cancer and Huntington's. The only winning move is to play. And the thing you can do is donate some of your CPU time, or if you have an old machine sitting around that's not doing anything and you can afford the electricity, of course, you're going to run this thing and it does run your CPU, at least on my machines at about a hundred percent, if you were running it in full mode. And again, you can do full, medium, or low, so you can still do your computer normal stuff while this is going on. But just beware. I mean, if you have a computer that's a big power hog, it's going to take up some electricity. But if you have that to spare, I can't think of a better place to put that CPU use than to folding at home. Again, foldingathome.org. It's something I highly recommend checking out and taking part in. Now, on to other news and a story that just basically solidifies everything I believe about the left. And I know I am doing something that you shouldn't do, and I am stereotyping a large group of people, but that's okay because a Harvard professor of law 
in the Harvard Magazine's May to June issue, wrote an article where she called, I mean, I hope she's a she, I don't know, I don't want to misgender again, Elizabeth Bartholet, where she called homeschooling dangerous. Going to the extreme of saying she was worried that homeschooled children would not be able to contribute to a democratic society. And I quote from her, the issue is, do we think that parents should have 24 seven essentially authoritarian control over their children from ages from zero to 18? Um, yes, yes, I do. I do think parents should have complete and utter control of their children. I don't know why this seems to be a question, but these are the kind of things that a Harvard law professor asks. She goes on. I think that's dangerous. I think it's always dangerous to put powerful people in charge of the powerless and to give the powerful ones total authority. <laughs> wow, I bet you you're for small government too, right, Elizabeth Bartholet? No, of course not. Law professor, lefty, insane ideas here that parents shouldn't have any power over their children, shouldn't have absolute power over their children. It's dangerous for parents to have control over their children. Give it to the state, but then at the same time say that putting powerful people in charge of the powerless and to give the powerful ones total authority is dangerous. Well, I agree with you there, but the parents aren't the one you should be worrying about. It is the government it is teachers like you it is people with the concept that parents are doing more damage to their children by daring to pass along their values that parents can't teach their children well enough how to grow up in a society i don't understand and i never will understand because this is the ideology of the left that parents are bad the state is good the state will do everything you don't need to work. We'll just give you money. Go on the dole. Don't actually do anything for yourself. Don't think for yourself. Shut up, slave. Sit down. We'll tell you what you should be doing and when you should be doing it. To add insult to injury, this Harvard law professor, Elizabeth Bartholet, went on, without citing any examples, of course, to say that. Homeschooled children are also at higher risks of abuse. This is the kind of crap you get from Harvard professors. And I really feel sorry if anybody out there listening has really smart kids that are in Harvard because I don't know. It seems like it's kind of a cesspool of really bad think at this particular point in time. And as we've talked about so many times in the past, it seems that nobody is putting the emphasis where it needs to be anymore, and that is teaching children to think for themselves, to solve problems, to be able to think outside of the box, as cliche as that may seem. But this is what you have to remember you're getting into when you're dealing with the school system overall 
indefinitely when you get to the universities and colleges, and especially when you're getting into things like these Ivy League, Harvard, the just the disdain they have for people that, of course, we you, you want to teach your children. How dare you? You teaching your children and not sending them to an indoctrination factory. They won't even be able to contribute to a democratic society. What pompous asses these people must be. I applaud all of the parents out there who have kids home right now that are normally in school and the ones that are doing their best to teach them what they need to know. I do feel bad for all of the kids who were graduating this year, missing proms, missing some big events in their life due to this coronavirus. But the parents who are teaching their children at home and homeschooling, I hope it's something maybe that gets a bump even after all this coronavirus is done because of the fact that the school systems just seem to be getting worse and worse and worse. And it's not overall. I understand there's some really good teachers out there who are doing the best that they can, but I'm talking about a system overall, and it seems quite broken when you get to the highest levels who are going to scoff at parents who maybe dare try to educate their kids without the government stepping in to tell them what they should and shouldn't be doing. And I also wanted to follow up on a story we talked about in our previous episode titled Media Holes. And of course, the media is still the same. Nothing changed in a week. I know that's not going to be a big surprise to anybody that listens to this particular podcast. But the Rachel Brummert story, the woman who claimed that she got coronavirus, even though she was self-isolating for three weeks. And I told you more about her story in the previous podcast. And if you missed it, go check it out. You can pause right here and come back. But if you want a real quick recap of that, none of the stories mentioned her background as a special government employee working with the FDA, that she was a patient advocate, that she just started a documentary filmmaking company in January and was all for this social justice stuff that we've talked about so much on the program as well. Well, as of four days ago, that's the last update we have from her on her Facebook page. She's still claiming that she's ill, that she's still fighting a fever and fatigue. And I want to just point out a few things. The first is that the medical community is telling us that when it comes to COVID-19, this coronavirus that is ravaging the world, people tend to get better on their own in 10 to 14 days. This is now April 21st. The symptoms started for this woman on March 22nd. So we have a timetable issue to be looking at that maybe somebody wants to question her story because she's never been hospitalized, according to her story, because of her autoimmune issues. Doctors are treating her remotely. And at the first sign of things going bad, they'll surely get her into a hospital. Well, it's been a month. And if you're still having issues after a month, I would be questioning that why you're not going in to get care, why you're not getting better, why you're not getting worse. But as we said, her background is questionable. 
but more information has been added on the WCNC website, which was the website that first did the story about this woman and the network that covered her locally on television. They've added some FAQs to their article about her, and I found the FAQs interesting. The information that was added to the website, and again, we were told that she was self-isolating for three weeks. The only person she maybe came in contact with, besides her husband, who's allegedly been isolating too, was a woman who brought groceries, and she didn't wipe the groceries down, and that's where she thinks she got it. And of course, every article around the world, and there have been a bunch, as I suggested last time. Rachel Brummert, search that on your search engine of choice. None of the news stories did any research and all just parroted what this WCNC report said, which was, she got it from the groceries, man. And it's really, really, really bad journalism when you then go look at the FAQs that were added to the article on the original news source that put this crap on the internet for everybody else to copy. One of the things that they added in the FAQ was she went to a pharmacy on March 18th. She got her symptoms starting around March 22nd. You know what that would say to me? She got it when she was out at the pharmacy because the groceries were delivered on March 20th and a two day incubation period while that is possible with covid is on the much much shorter side than average it would make way more sense that she got this when she went to a pharmacy on march 18th and was out and doesn't mention if she was wearing a mask or any other precautions that were taken but she was out in the real world with other people as late as March 18th, got symptoms, she said, starting around March 22nd. You don't know when your symptoms started. That seems really weird to me for somebody that, again, is a patient advocate that has autoimmune issues, that is very, very aware of her own health. It seems really odd to me that you can't tell me exactly what day your symptoms started on. But this just shows, again, the lack of anybody giving a crap when covering these stories. She was out at a pharmacy on March 18th, got groceries delivered on the 20th, and then her symptoms started around March 22nd. The timeline tells me she was most likely infected, if she is actually infected, because again, 30 days into this, she's claiming that she's got COVID, claiming she was tested on April 5th, and claiming to know for sure on April 9th. The timeline is not really sitting well with me. I mean, if there's doctors out there, tell me where I'm wrong or tell me where I'm right on this one. Also in the FAQs, did she still get the mail or packages? I mean, these are hard-hitting questions that WCNC is giving us here. The answer, Brummert said she would get the mail every few days but would wear gloves. She said whenever she received packages, they were handled without gloves. So she was getting the mail every few days and wearing gloves, but she has a husband without an autoimmune problem, living at home, not going to work, but she was still putting on gloves and going out to get the mail. Not him. That makes a whole lot of sense. 
and she was so careful with the mail. She needed gloves. But if there were packages left, you know, Amazon, whatever, well, those were fine to handle without gloves. Usually this isn't how rational people work. If you're going to be afraid to handle anything coming from the outside world and you're going to wear gloves for some, you're going to wear gloves for all. So that didn't make any sense to me either. And another hard hitting question in the FAQ, what about her husband? And the answer to that was he went into work in early March, but has worked from home since. Well, what is early March to you? March 1st, March 2nd? Or was he still going to work until like March 12th, 13th, 14th? You know, again, within the incubation period of when she got the disease. The story that the groceries caused this did nothing but spike fear, did nothing but bring more crap to the narrative, and did nothing to actually help anybody or provide any real data. Just fear-mongering and crap reporting. And in one of the articles had this at the end, which I thought this was fantastic as well. Park Hyun, a South Korean 48-year-old university professor, had a similar experience. Okay, well, this, again, was an article about a woman claiming she was home for three weeks and got COVID from groceries. Let's just remember that. That was the story. So when you follow this in the same article with, a South Korean university professor had a similar experience. My brain goes to, he was staying at home for weeks, doesn't know how he even got the virus. But the story continues. He claims he took all kinds of precautions, but still caught the coronavirus. He went to the gym five times a week. <laughs> I can't believe what the journalist bar has come to now. I mean, they're all drinking at a bar, I think, because this is similar to the woman who claimed to be at home for three weeks and got it from touching groceries, was a South Korean guy who went to the gym five times a week, but then says he maintained personal hygiene by frequently washing his hands and excessively using disinfectants. Uh, wow. Okay, so that's the same to the people writing news articles and it blows my mind. Going to the gym five times a week is not isolating yourself. It is being out where other people are, where other people are breathing. This is a disease, a virus that transmits through you breathing out. When you talk, cough, sneeze, whatever it is, it travels through the air for a certain amount of distance. I mean, which is why we're doing this whole social distancing thing. Six feet, probably not enough. It's good, but probably not enough. If you go and look, the CDC had a very interesting bit on a Chinese restaurant. I'm going to read a restaurant in China. I don't know what kind of a restaurant it was, where a bunch of people were infected and they showed the table. So they had the floor plan of this restaurant. They showed where the people sat on the particular day when they believe they were all infected, including which order the people were infected and when the disease came to them as far as when they noticed symptoms. And it was only at three tables in the restaurant that had an air conditioning vent, the ventilation basically, which went from one wall to another and then bounced back. And that's how this part of the restaurant was. The rest of the restaurant 
was under another air conditioning vent that circulated the air. Nobody else in the restaurant got sick, only people at these three tables. And when you see the airflow of their ventilation system, it goes a long way. If, if again, you believe data from the Chinese, and in this case, I do, but it goes a long way to show that if you're in an enclosed area at a restaurant, somebody at the next table breathing, coughing, sneezing, whatever it is, especially with an air conditioning or ventilation system moving air around, can pick up these droplets, can move them more than six feet away, and people are still inhaling them or at the very least touching things, although that seems way less likely in a restaurant people at the next table over. So it was basically three tables. The infected person was in the middle table. The other two tables were in the airflow range and people at all three tables became infected. So it seems to me this would go a long way at showing how this can spread when you're inside and you have a ventilation system that is moving air in a specific pattern. So this is going to be one of the big questions before we start opening up or feeling safe going to restaurants. You're going to have to start being much more aware of these types of things because somebody can be, you know, more than six feet away and you're still inhaling the air that came out of their mouth. So the news media still sucks and you should question everything you read. And they think that somebody going to the gym five days a week is the same as somebody that's isolating allegedly for three weeks. And even that story becomes a lot different when you hear she got symptoms within a few days of going out to a pharmacy. But there is some good news. And this was a study from back in 2013 about music and the immune system, because everybody right now is looking for a way to try to stay healthy, to boost their immune system, whether you're taking supplements, vitamins, getting outside for some sunshine and some good old vitamin D. Zinc is very popular right now. There's a lot of things that people think will help. Do they really? We don't have the science quite yet, but there's a lot of things you can do. They're just overall good for you and for your immune system. And this came from a study that was done back in 2013 at McGill University. Listening to music, they said, was better than prescription medications in removing the stress before surgery. People who listened to music had an increase in their levels of immunoglobulin A, a type of antibody present at mucosal surfaces in your digestive tract, lungs, etc., that helps prevent infections. The study found that music listeners had a higher number of immune cell types called natural killer cells. That sounds like some cool cells to have, whose job it is to attack bacteria, infected cells, and cancerous cells. The study said listening to music reduced levels of cortisol in the body. Cortisol, a stress hormone that has many physiological effects, one of which has a role in promoting obesity. So the long story short is music seems to be really, really good for you. So while you're stuck at home, it's a good reason to put your favorite record on the turntable if you have one. 
or, you know, digital, if that's the way you're doing that. But either way, turn the sucker up as loud as you want. Dance around the house. Enjoy some music while you're down in quarantine, while you're down in isolation. It will do things not only to lift your mood, but can actually have physical effects to help protect your body from disease and from things like this virus. I mean, it certainly can't hurt. So to me, that's some good news. While folding the laundry yesterday, yeah, I do laundry and I cook and all the other types of things you're doing around the house. Turned on some Chris Knight, great alt country singer, had some new vinyl, hadn't been on the turntable before. And I really enjoyed that, especially the last tune on the record was a song that John Prine wrote. The two of them performed together. The late, great John Prine, of course, taken from us in this coronavirus mess. Now, if you're somebody that likes vinyl, you may want to check out. I'm going to give you two websites here. The first one is Jack White of the White Stripes and various other bands. The guy has more bands than I have podcasts. But Jack White has his own record label and his own stores, Third Man Records, and they're doing something for this COVID thing that I thought was interesting. And maybe other small businesses out there, if they can do so, might be interested in trying this route because you're hearing from a lot of businesses that are unable to be open or only able to do some mail order stuff. I'm seeing this with our local comic book shops here in the Chicago area, you know, and people are saying, go out and buy gift cards. And that certainly will help keep these businesses going. Jack White and Third Man Records are taking the gift card concept to a level that I really dig. And the fact that whatever amount of gift card you want to buy or gift cards through this month of April. Anything you buy in April, come May, they add 10% to that gift card, as long as you haven't spent it by that point. But if you buy a gift card amount in April, it goes up 10% in May. If you still have it in June, they raise the total amount by 15%. And if you still have it in July, they raise it by 25%. So it's simple math here. You go buy a $100 gift card today from Third Man Records. And in June, it'll be worth 125 bucks. Something other small businesses may want to consider. Third Man Records, if you're into Jack White and the White Stripes and that, they always have something good in their store that you can pick up. And if you just like vinyl overall, I mean, you can buy this stuff in Amazon, although it's getting harder due to their shipping delays and that. And you're not helping the little guy. Amazon, a story I saw this morning that blew my mind. And that's hard to do. Said Amazon for this quarter, so busy, they are pushing out sales at an astronomical pace. The current estimate was sales were hitting 24 7 every minute, day and night during this quarter. $10,000 in sales each and every second. Let that sink in. Let that amount sink in and try to wrap your brain around that. I did the math so you don't have to. $864 million in sales each and every day for Amazon. So they don't need your help to keep going. That's one place you're not going to have to prop up after all this is said and done. 
if you like vinyl records, there is a place I highly recommend that is rediscoverrecords.com. It's a local place here in the Chicago area. I've never set foot in the place. I've talked about them before here on the podcast when I was talking about vinyl. My buddy Rich Wagner, who I've only talked to on Twitter. And when this whole lockdown thing's over, I'm going to make a trek out to Elgin to actually go into the store. But the guy's got anything you want. If not, they'll order it. Good prices, great service, always packaged well. So if you're looking for a small business to help out and you need some vinyl, rediscover records dot com is the place i would recommend to go if you don't see something on their website you can contact them via the website or via twitter and usually get an answer within a very short period of time again excellent customer service and just another way you can feel like you're doing something good during this crazy coronavirus crisis now we hope you're enjoying the product we've been giving you here on the random thoughts show and if so it would mean a lot if you can go over to randomthoughts.com, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com and subscribe to the show. You can do it on Android, Apple, email, any which way you want. And if you use one of those services, you can rate and review. That goes a long way to letting people know we're doing a quality show. And we do work on the value for value model. And as such, we rely on producers like you to keep the lights on, keep the microphone sounding good, all the audio gear humming and yada, yada, yada. And in this show, a big, big thank you to Srinivas Murti. And I hope I didn't completely butcher your name. I should have just gone your Twitter handle, Jurassic, J-U-R-A-S-I-C-K, coming in with a big $50 donation. And a note saying, a little late for the big five. Oh, yeah, I know. Being 50 is a whole lot of fun since I haven't even left the house since I turned 50. But I'm not complaining at all. A little late for the big five. Oh, he says, better late than never. Really enjoying the show. So here's a small contribution. Please keep on doing it. We appreciate it. And I'd like to believe I'm not getting older. I'm only getting better. Another donation we had today was from Harry Hamster a guy that's been around for a while in the No Agenda Troll Room and a supporter of that other little podcast I do with Ryan Bemrose called Grumpy Old Benz, which you can find at grumpyoldbenz.com. So we appreciate the contribution, Harry Hamster and Mr. Murty. You are both awesome. Thank you. If you want to get in on all the value for value fun, go to randomthoughts.com. That's R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com and click that little donate button or Find the information for our P.O. Box, Bitcoin, all that other good stuff. And if you want to reach out to me, you can do so at Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N, at randomthoughts.com or via the bird site at Darren O'Neill, D-A-R-R-E-N-O-N-E-I-L-L or at random, R-A-N-D-U-M-B podcast. And of course, you can find me on No Agenda Social, link in the show notes. We hope to see you there as well as on the Folding at Home No Agenda social team. So until next time, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.